that verse means. I think it means exactly what it says, that there's no Savior other than the Lord. I think we need to remember that right now. Verse 12, I have declared and have said and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Verse 14, thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army, the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Watch verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, I thank you this morning for the privilege to be home, to be back in our church amongst our people. Thank you for the privilege of being able to preach today, and thank you for giving us the message. And I pray that Lord, your grace would fill, Lord, in between the lines of what we have in our heart and speak to hearts today, and I pray we would be obedient and submissive to it. I pray that, Lord, you would help us, Lord, today look forward optimistically because of who you are, what you desire to do, and I pray you continue to do a great work in our church. Thank you for those that were saved last week. I pray you continue, Lord, uh, to show those that are lost, Lord, their need for you, and that, Lord, they would submit to that, and for those that are saved, help us to be challenged by your word today. And I just pray that your will be accomplished in all that's said and done, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Isaiah this morning is a very expansive book, and uh, I believe we could probably preach for years if we went line by line and verse by verse, but don't be afraid we're not going to do that this morning. But when you read the book of Isaiah, if there's something that I could give a caption to the book of Isaiah, I believe the book of Isaiah is a forward-looking book. Uh, it's obviously a book of prophecy, but as you read the book of Isaiah, you find out just how thick of a book of prophecy it is, because not only is the book of Isaiah prophesying for something that was present in that day, it was also prophesying the coming Messiah, and we read that all throughout the book of Isaiah and even in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, the book of Isaiah is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament because there's so many scriptures concerning our Savior. But what I want to focus in on this morning as we look at the book of Isaiah, we can tell that God... God is always desirous to give his people something to look forward to. As we read the book of Isaiah, we could see that as he speaks to Judah, he's not just telling them about their current situation of captivity and deliverance. We see that he is giving us the promise of the Messiah and also looking forward to that day when Christ would rule and reign. But we always find that God is giving them something to look forward to. Now, this is something that I believe fundamentally about the God that we serve. I believe we serve a forward-looking God. All throughout Scripture, beginning in Genesis, all the way to Revelation, we can see instances of a common theme that God is a God that is forward-looking. And I believe because we have a Father that is forward-looking, we should be His children that are forward-looking. We should be looking forward to what God is doing and desires to do in our life. Consider this in the book of Genesis. He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He was looking forward to what was going to be and what could have become if Adam and Eve had just been obedient to the will and to the word of God. 
We look in the book of Exodus and we see how even though Israel was languishing in captivity, God had given them promises that there would come a deliverer and he had given them promises of the promised land. What is he doing? Even though in spite of their circumstances, it was not something to look forward to at that moment, he was giving them something to look forward to that he was going to do in the future. We see in the book of Genesis about Noah and the ark and why God was preparing the ark. God was giving Noah and his family something to look forward to. He says, I'm going to take your family and I'm going to repopulate the earth through you. And that's what the ark was all about. It was conveying them over to become who God desired they would become in replenishing the earth. You see, God always is forward-looking and has a forward-looking plan. We go to the New Testament, that Matthew chapter number 4, when he calls the disciples. Uh, he says, follow me and I will make. That's future tense. He's showing the disciples what he desires to do with them in the future. He's looking forward to who they will become. They were not the fishers of men yet. And aren't you glad that we serve a God who can see beyond what we are now to what he desires we be later? By the way, aren't you glad this morning that we serve a God who can take just some lonely old fishermen and turn them into powerful tools in the hand of God that would turn this world upside down for the cause of Christ? I'm glad that's the God that I serve. A lot of times I feel like a fisherman. God says, I want you to be a fisher of men. And I'm thinking, God, I just don't have it. And God says, don't worry, I will make you. But notice, he's forward-looking. He's telling his disciples what he is going to do in their life. I think about the thief on the cross. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you glad the thief on the cross ran into a forward-looking Savior? What did he say? Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. He was looking forward. All the way to the book of Revelation, as scary as the book of Revelation can be, and as frightening as some of the events are in the book of Revelation, we see that even though those difficult times obviously are coming our way, and most likely very much sooner than later, we have a forward-looking God who can see past all of that. We're going to sit with Him and fellowship with Him all throughout eternity. So here's what I want you to understand as we set the message up this morning. Because we have a forward-looking Father, we ought to be forward-looking children. And because we have a Father who can see beyond the moment and the circumstance of our day, we as the people of God ought to be hopeful and optimistic. The song we sang this morning, Mansion Over the Hilltop, says, I'm not discouraged. Why? Because I'm heaven bound. We should be forward-looking people, and in spite of what's going on in our world, we as the people of God should be glorifying God right now because of the hope that we have. You know, hope is forward-looking. The Bible says to be careful. To give an answer of the hope that is within us. Hope is something we are looking forward to. But I fear the circumstances in which we're living has kind of uh, tamped out our hope a little bit. And it's kind of gotten us down and discouraged and we're no longer the people of hope that are looking forward. But yet, I want you to know our God is still looking forward. Our God can see past all that we're going through. And if we as the people of God are not a forward-looking people, I hate to tell you this, you're going to fail and you're going to miss out on the opportunity of what God desired to do during this time. I read an interesting story just last night. and It was talking about modes of transportation. It's interesting to note, and that the author of the article noted this, and it was very, um, very enlightening. He says, you think about automobiles, you think about boats, you think about trains, you think about horse and buggies and all manners of transportation. When they stop, they come to rest. And yet, there's one mode of transportation that is very different that cannot afford to stop, and that is of the airplane. 
If the airplane stops moving forward, then the airplane is going to fall and the airplane is going to crash. Matter of fact, my family and I were on an airplane just this past week. It's just amazing, the miracle of flight. Uh, I know it's been around for a long time, but I find it amazing that you can get on an airplane in New Orleans at 6 o'clock in the morning and by 7.30 you're sitting on the tarmac in Orlando. It's amazing, but do you know how that works? The airplane's moving forward. But the moment that the airplane stops moving forward, the airplane falls and the airplane crashes and it creates a catastrophe. Christians are much like the article was sharing, are much like airplanes. We cannot afford to stop. We cannot afford to stop moving forward because the time that we stop moving forward and looking forward is when we falter and when we fall and when that catastrophe comes our way. Now, folks, I understand we've gone through extraordinary circumstances in the last six and seven months. But I want you to understand, we as the people of God, if anybody on this planet should be forward-looking, it should be us. For the average person who's living in, in 2020 and watching the news, there is very little to look forward to. I remember in March when I met with our men about having to go live stream only, I remember Brother Bolt asking me a question, how long do you think we're going to have to do this? And I was very optimistic about it. I said, I, I, I think we can probably uh, just let's try it for two weeks. You remember that, Brother Bolt? I said, let's just try it for two weeks. I think if we can get past two weeks, I don't know what it is about two weeks, Brother Nate, but two weeks seems to be the number that everybody throws out there. And here we are months later. Right now, it's hard to see an end in sight. I know a lot of people are saying it's going to happen sometime early in November. All of this is going to go away. And they're probably correct. Right now, it's hard to see an end in sight. It's hard to be excited about looking forward to anything. But as the people of God understand, we should be forward-looking people because we serve a forward-looking God. Now, understand Israel, Judah's circumstances here. It gives them very little to look forward to. We're speaking of captivity in the book of Isaiah. We're speaking of national wickedness. Does that not sound familiar? It seems like everything that was hidden in the closet has now come out of the closet in America today. All kind of scary things have come out and are, are, are frightening our homes and families, and there's very little to look forward to anymore. And yet, in Isaiah 43, I love Isaiah 43, God's telling his people to look forward, and he's giving them something to look forward to. And I want you to understand it's in spite of their circumstances he's doing this. He's, well, how do we look forward in the midst of all of this? How do we look forward? Uh, by the way, I can tell you one of the things you could do, get off social media and turn off the television. It's easier to look forward that way. Getting the Word of God, and you'll find you've got something to look forward to as a child of God. If you're not a child of God, then you still have something to look forward to, becoming a child of God. Amen? In Isaiah 43, we're going to see this morning how God showed them to be a forward-looking people. Why? And I'll give you this, and I'll jump into the message if you're not careful. You're going to let the uncertainty of our circumstances rob you of a forward-looking faith. You're going to let the uncertainty of the circumstances of the world that's going on around us and all that's going on around us to rob you of a forward-looking faith. And God reminds us of four things this morning. I want to give you four things rather quickly. I want to give you four things that will help you find the faith to look forward. And that's the message today. Finding the faith to look forward. I'm going to give you four quick points that God gives them. And I believe this morning he has this for us in the very day and hour that we're living in. Look down to verse 16. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are 
the Bible says, extinct. They are quenched as told. When we read verse 16 and verse number 17, I think we would all be able to tell very quickly and clearly it's speaking of a time of past deliverance. We read about God making a way in the waters and God drowning the army and the horse and the chariot. I think our minds quickly go back to Sunday school when we were children, reading about how Pharaoh's armies were drowned. And God's referencing a time that in great affliction, he delivered his people and he wants them to understand that he was a God who knows a lot about deliverance. Aren't you glad? I'm thankful that the God that we serve is a God of deliverance. And time and time again, we read throughout the word of God where our God came through in spite of the circumstances and how dire they were. Now, why did God record those instances for us? Because each and every one of us will face a time or a circumstance in our life where we're going to be in definite need of deliverance. And our God wants us to have a little bit of perspective. If you're not careful, you'll cry the blues and woe is me and I'm the only one and I'm all alone. And yet there are many who have been to this place we've been before. A place and a time where their circumstances have required the need for God to step in and to deliver. And so as we read verse 16 and 17, he's giving us perspective. God wants his people to know that he's delivered before. So number one, the first reminder that will help us have a forward-looking faith and find the faith to look forward, is notice God reminds them of what he has done. God reminds them of what he has done. You see, just in case their circumstance has weakened their resolve, he wants them to remember what he's done in the past and how he delivered in the past and how just as in the case of their captivity, they were captive in Egypt and yet God brought them through that. The Bible says in verse number 16, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Can I tell you something this morning? Deliverance is not something that's new to God. And we've never been in this place before where we have cried out nationally. Now, maybe during the world wars, maybe some of you who lived during that time, uh, maybe there were times of great prayer meeting coming to the house of God. I've mentioned to you before, the first church that I pastor, they always left the doors unlocked. Why? Because early in the days of the world wars, they would leave them open for people to come to pray. But I don't know that in my lifetime has there ever been as great of a need for us to cry out to God for deliverance. But aren't you glad this morning that our God has experience in deliverance when the circumstances seemed impossible? You look at Noah. Oh, the circumstances were dire. The whole entire world's about to be destroyed. And God says, I will make a way in the midst of all of that. The children of Israel in captivity, languishing in Egypt, and yet God brought them through their circumstances. And he wants us to remember this morning the things he's done. Why? Because what he's done will give us the courage and faith to look forward to what God desires to do. Notice what he began with in verse number 16. Thus saith the Lord. He said, I want you to remember who you're dealing with. Remember who you're dealing with. Now, folks, we're dealing with a monster in this world right now. I'll be honest with you, it's very frightening, very frightening, just amazing in just a short amount of time how our world and our country has been turned upside down, and we're dealing with a monster unlike any I have ever seen in my lifetime. And aren't you glad they don't know who they're dealing with? They're dealing with a God who's seen this before, who's done this before, and delivering his people throughout all of this is nothing to the Lord. That's why it's important we remember what he's done. Now, here's Israel. Here's Judah. He's telling them. He's saying, listen, I know captivity is frightening. 
I know the circumstances are dire. And I know it seems like there's nothing to look forward to. But don't forget, I am the Lord. And I have experience in deliverance. We were talking to Daniel this morning. Daniel would tell you, don't worry how bad it may look. And oh, sometimes lately it has seemed like we've been staring down the lions, hasn't it? Sometimes lately, I, I tell you, I just don't know. I'm thinking about teaching my daughter how to conceal and carry. It's a scary world out there. And Daniel would tell you, don't worry about the lions. God's got a plan to deliver you out of the lions. Paul and Silas would tell you that our God, the Lord, is able to deliver us out of prison. doesn't matter how many shackles you have on you. Just ask Peter. He'll tell you, God's done all of that in the past, and we should look forward. Why? We look forward in faith because we're trusting in the one who has great experience in deliverance. He says in verse number 17, which bringeth forth the chariot. I'll be honest with you. There are times I have wondered, I have doubted, are we going to come forth out of this? You know, when this started in March, I thought maybe two weeks, maybe a month. And someone mentioned fall early, early in March. And I'm thinking, there's no way. There's no way this is going to last. There's no way our economy can last. There's no way our people can last. There's just no way. But aren't you glad we serve a God that can bring forth in spite of the circumstances? This is why we have a reason to look forward. This is why we shouldn't be moping and griping and whining and complaining and posting about how bad things are. Why? Because we serve a God that's a forward-looking God. And if you need some courage to look forward, all you have to do is look backward and look what he's already done. And if God could bring forth Daniel and Paul and Silas and Peter and Noah and all of those that he worked mightily in their life, I'll tell you something, he can deliver us as well. And we as his people should be forward-thinking. The problem is we don't spend enough time in this book. We spend more time studying our circumstances. We spend more time watching the news and reading on Facebook all that's going on and getting in Facebook arguments when if we just spent some time in this book reading about what God's done. By the way, you know that's why God preserved it for us. Aren't you glad? God took the time to write it down. Why? He wants us to understand that we can trust him looking forward. And I'll promise you, if you just got in this book, and just read what God has already done, you might find the courage to smile every once in a while in spite of our circumstances. You remember when David went to face Goliath and old Saul, he was a coward, but he was wanting to help David out and give him his armor. Old David's like, you know, this is not working for me. And he takes his sling with him. Now, why did he take the armor? Why didn't he go into battle and face that great adversity of that giant with the armor of the king? I mean, I'm sure it was good looking. I'm sure it was probably golden and gilded with jewels and all of those things. Why didn't he take that into battle? What did he say? He said, I haven't proved them. I haven't proved them. Now, folks, I hate to tell you this, but if you don't know it, God's proven himself. He's worthy to go to battle with. He's worthy to face the circumstances that we're facing this morning. He's proven himself time and time again. And listen, we can smile and boldly and courageously look forward. Why? Because we have faith in one who's proven himself in spite of whatever we may be going through. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know what God's going to do. But I know he can and I know he has. And that's why I look forward. And that's why I look forward in faith, because I'm trusting in him. I look for a T-shirt this morning. I could not find it. Uh, you know where it's at until you need it, and then you can't find it. And you know it's lost when my wife couldn't find it. And so we're scrambling around the house this morning looking for a T-shirt that my nieces and nephews in Louisiana bought it for me. And it's got the name on it, Funkel. F-U-N-C-L-E. Funkel. It means fun uncle. 
And it has a subtitle on the bottom of the T-shirt, and it says, like dad, but funner. You know, the uncle can do stuff dad can't get away with because mom will hurt him. And so my nieces and nephews bought me the shirt. It says Funkle on it because when I go to see them, we have a ball. They don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to have fun when Uncle Maya and Aunt Leslie comes over. And my wife was telling someone this story the other day. We went over to see them or to watch them one day when we lived there. Uh, and Evangeline, the little firecracker, uh, little blonde-haired, blue-eyed niece that we have, I hope to get to meet them maybe before too terribly long. Uh, Mom walks out the door, and Aunt Leslie and Uncle Maya walk in. She flies to the back of the house. She grabs a roll of toilet paper and hurls it across the living room. She goes, "Woohoo!" Mom was gone. Uncle Maya and Aunt Leslie are here. Now, Aunt Leslie's more disciplined. I'll give her that. But Uncle Maya, listen, I bring the slushies. I bring the candy. I bring the good stuff. We're going to go to Sonic. We're going to get a milkshake. We're going to hype them up on sugar. Uh, for when Mom and Dad come home, they just have a good old time with them. The little Evangeline, I thought about her last night. She did not know what was going to happen. She did not know where we were going or what we were going to do, but Funkle was here. And we were going to have fun because Uncle Maya had come over and we are going to have a blast. Now, folks, it's a little bit that way with God. You don't have to know what he's going to do. You don't have to know how he's going to do it. But you can look forward in faith, trusting God in spite of the circumstances because every time God shows up, he gets the job done. Folks, I begin to wonder lately, are we doubting God? I really do. Look, I understand. I'm tired of this too. All right? It bothers me. I wish we were all back in here this morning. I wish it was about 11 o'clock because I'd still be having an opportunity to study a little bit extra this morning. I wish the balcony was full. I wish the choir was full. I get it. I'm tired of it too. But don't let the circumstances of what's going on around us cause us to doubt God. We as the people of God should be looking forward. Why? Because God's proven time and time again that when he shows up, he can deliver. Verse 16 says, 17 says, he bringeth forth the chariot, the horse, the army, and the power. They shall lie down together. Oh, how wickedness marches in the streets this morning. Oh, how wickedness and immorality flaunts itself before an almighty God. But I have faith based on the word of God that one day they're going to lie down. That every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. If we as the people of God could just look forward. Not because of who we are. Listen, David did not look forward to facing Goliath because of who David was. Statistically, he was a dead man. He was short. He was a kid. He was not trained. He didn't have the weapons. He just had a sling and a script with five smooth stones. And yet David, the Bible says, ran, listen close, toward. You know what that is? Forward. David ran forward. Now look, I'll be honest with you. I might have been doing a zigzag behind some trees and behind some rocks. David just cuts a path straight toward Goliath. Why? He says, because the God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the God that delivered me out of the hand of the bear, he's going to deliver you as well. You see, he was looking forward in faith, not because of who he was, but who his God was. Now folks, we have the same God that David served. We don't need to forget that. We have no reason to doubt God. This is why Job, in the midst of the fiery furnace that Job was going through, Job says this, he knoweth the way that I take. Job says, I don't know where we're headed. Job says, I don't know where this is going to lead. I look to my right and I can't find him. I look to my left and I can't find him. But he knoweth. Job says, I'm moving forward. How do you know? He says, because when he hath tried me, I shall come forth. There's forward again. Job was looking forward. Why? Because of who his God was. And by the way, Job says, I shall come forth as gold. 
Job knew he was being purified through all of this. Listen, we're not going through this to die here. We should be looking forward. Why? Because of what our God has already done. Sometimes we just need to break out the old hymn book and sing To God Be the Glory again. Read the verses of To God Be the Glory. What does it say? Great things he hath done. And we don't just need to sing it. We need to think about some of the great things he has done. And when you look back and see what God has done, when Hitler marched across this planet, seemingly poised to take over the world, you know how God stepped in and used the United States of America to turn that back. You see how time and time again God brings deliverance. But we've got to remember him. Notice real quickly, I'm going to give you this. I have four points, but they get shorter as we go along if you haven't noticed that, okay? Notice what the Bible says. Look down to verse at the end of verse number 19. He says, I will. I want to tell you something. When God sets his mind to it, he will. He says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says, I will. God says, I'll make a way. Folks, can I tell you what you ought to do this morning? When you get home today, don't turn the television on. There's nothing worth watching on there anyway. When you get home, why don't you just sit down and turn around and look back. And look at the times in your life that God made a way. You ever been in a bind? Financially, family, health. You've had a bind in this church. Schisms, problem, trouble. You're thinking we're not going to be able to survive. There's no way we're going to make it through this. Well, I've been in some binds. And I look back in the times, look, I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. I survived. Why? Because of who I am? No, because of who God is. You, ought, you know, when you look down at verse number 19, he says, I will make a way. You ought to go back and look at all the times in your life God's made a way. Look at the time the doctors were wrong and God was right. Look at the times in your life where they said it wasn't going to work. And look back and see how the goodness of God. I remember I was telling somebody this other day. We were having pre-marriage counseling in the office. Leslie and I were in there counseling a couple. And uh, I remember folks telling, telling my wife and telling me it's not going to work. I'm a little bit older than my wife, you know. They say that women are seven years more mature uh, than men. And so I married a, a young lady that's almost seven years younger than I am. So it puts us just about even. I didn't want to be unequally yoked. And so it just puts us just about right. Oh, I remember people telling us, well, I don't think it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. Fifteen years later, it's working. Why? Because I serve a God that can make a way. Verse 19, he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God can do that. I brought a picture this morning I want to show you. I wish I could have got it on the screen this morning, but I can't. Uh, it's a picture from uh, June 23rd, 1998. It's a picture of my family uh, at our camp. Uh, over there in Carson. And if you look at the picture, all you can see is studs behind us, stud wall behind us. And the Lord had called my mom and dad to go build that camp down there in Jeff Davis County and uh, didn't have any money, didn't have any support. Just God called them and so they went. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. So they just went down there and they needed some lumber, but we didn't have lumber. They didn't have any money to buy lumber. Dad was still having to work a job. And all of a sudden, here comes Hurricane Opal. Uh, into the Fort Walton uh, Beach area, Pensacola area. And Hurricane Opal just destroyed so many things that were down there. And so Dad decided, you know what, I think we just go down there and start scrapping up wood, just start picking up pieces of wood and boards. And so we went down there. While we were down there, we were walking upon a, a, a deck on the intercoastal, I guess that, that is, intercoastal waterway. And I don't know, how long was that deck? 200 yards long. It's a boardwalk made of wood. Five-quarter decking on the top, two-by-eight framing under the bottom, and I don't know, it's probably 30, 40 feet wide, 200 yards long. And the storm had floated that great big old deck up onto uh, the shore. And over there were the city planners trying to decide what to do with it. My mom told my dad, why don't you go ask them, can we have it? Don't tell them what that thing cost. And dad goes over there and asks them, and lo and behold, they gave it to us. 
We'd have to get it out in five days. So we worked and we worked, and every day we drove a U-Haul truck back from Fort Walton Beach, Florida to Carson. We dumped the wood off, drove back that night, got another load the next morning, and we took those two-by-eights, or Dad did, ripped them on a table saw and turned them into two-by-fours. And I looked at that picture when I walked in my office this morning, and I'm thinking, you know what? Those weren't two-by-fours when we started. They were two-by-eights, and they were part of a deck in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, but it's amazing God made a way. God called for a camp to be built, and God supplied the lumber, and God made a way. Aren't you glad that we still serve the same God? We ought to be looking forward. We ought to have faith and trust in the God who's delivered in the past and made a way in the past, and that's why we should be forward-looking people. So number one, how do you have a faith to look forward? Number one, it reminds us of what he's done. Real quick, look down to verse 18. We've got to hurry. The Bible says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Now, this is kind of confusing right here. God does great things, but then he tells them to forget about it. In verse number 18, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. And I had to chew on that one for a minute. Why is he telling them not to remember? I mean, he did great things. Why is he tell them not to remember? He's not telling them to forget the past. Here's what he's telling them. He's telling them not to focus on the past. He's not telling them to forget all the great things. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 46, he tells them to remember the things of old, the things that have passed. So he's not telling them to forget the past. He's telling them not to focus on the past. Why? Because he's got more things to do in the future. Number two, how do you find the faith to look forward? Number two, he reminds them he's not done. The first thing he did was remind them of what he had done. The second thing he's reminding them of is the fact that he has not done yet. Aren't you glad that God doesn't run out of resources? Aren't you glad that his grace is always going to be sufficient? Aren't you glad that he still has all power in heaven and earth? Aren't you glad that we serve a forward-looking God who even though the circumstances would speak out against it, he's not done yet? I'll tell you this real quickly this morning. Just because God has worked in the past doesn't mean his work has passed. I'll say that again. Just because God has worked in the past doesn't mean that his work has passed. If you're not careful, here's what you're going to do. You're going to swallow the doctrine of the good old days. That the only days that were good are the old ones. Man, do you remember when God brought Israel out of Egypt and God split the Red Sea and God gave manna from heaven and God drowned Pharaoh and all these things? Oh, those were the good old days. This is why God is saying in verse number 18, remember ye not the former thing. Don't sit there and focus on what he has done. Focus on what he desires to do. That's why he's telling them this. There's a kid, and we lived in Vicksburg. My dad was working there on the Waterways Experiment Station there on Hallsbury Road in Vicksburg. And uh, we used to go to the Pemberton Square Mall, and they had one of those candy booths in the middle where you get candy by the pound. I mean, it's just ungodly prices, isn't it, what they charge you for that? And I remember I used to get Swedish fish. I love them to this day. The little red fish. Not the juju fish, but the Swedish fish, the real ones, okay? And we'd get a little scoop of those. they put them in a little clear cellophane bag, and we'd walk up and down the mall, and we'd eat those little Swedish fish. Oh, matter of fact, I had them in our wedding. They asked what I wanted at our reception. I said, I want a big bowl of Swedish fish. And I did. I, I think at your wedding, you ought to get what you want at least once, amen? And so I got my Swedish fish. And um, I can remember years later, I was in Turtle Creek Mall. I was in my 20s, and they had the little candy thing for sale. And I said, boy, give me a big old heaping scoop of Swedish fish. And I could get, I mean, look, I wasn't married. I was making good money. I could get all that I wanted. 
I got me a big old bag of them, and I'm riding home, and I'm eating those Swedish fish. And I'm thinking, they just don't taste the same. They just don't taste as good. It's kind of weird when you can have all that you want. It doesn't taste as good as it was when it was a treat. You think, boy, I wish I could go back to the good old days and get some Swedish fish. Well, they were good back then. Or when they had RC colas and a bottle and a moon pie. Well, that was the good old days. Amen, the good old days. But you know, if you're not careful, you'll do that in the work of the Lord. Now, folks, I want to say something very, very carefully. I want you to hear me out this morning. I, I've known many of the pastors who have been here. As a kid, my dad would have Brother C.R. Williams come preach our revivals, and I got to know him. What a great man of God he was, and humble man, and a hardworking man. And uh, I got to know Brother George as well, and uh, Brother Miller is a great, is a great friend of mine. And uh, matter of fact, I have a picture I'm gonna, I want to show you in just a minute. Not yet, guys. I'll show you in just a minute of uh, one of the early days when I met Brother Miller. And uh, when the Lord called us to pastor here, began flashing through my mind was the images of the men who have come before us and the great works that were done here. I'm not mistaken, some of you who were here on the opening day of this sanctuary, it was a lot bigger then, if I'm not mistaken, the, the balcony was not as big. Uh, I think it was over a thousand people here, and who, I think Tom Malone, was it Tom Malone preached the early day, the opening service? Uh, it was one of the well-known evangelists of that time. And you think about all that God's done in the past here under Brother Williams and Brother George and Brother Miller, uh, and you're thinking, boy, well, I'm just going to pastor this thing uh, on cruise control until the rapture, because the good old days are gone. Folks, can I tell you something? As long as God is on the throne, be careful because you'll grieve over something that hasn't left. We'll grieve over the men who were here. Now, don't get me wrong, great men of God that I look up to and I, I honor and I respect and I appreciate more than you know. They've influenced All of them have influenced my life. But you'll say because the man is gone, then the good old days are gone. But understand the good old days were not about a man. They are about the God of the man. That's why he says, I don't want you to focus on what I've done because the one who did it in the past is the one who's going to do it in the future. And it had nothing to do with the man, but it had everything to do with the God of the man. And I'm thankful for the God of the men who served here. Now, folks, we as the people of God ought to be forward thinking. We've had a lot of changes in our church in the past 18 months, going on almost two years. A lot of changes. A lot of people have moved on. A lot of people have come on. And we're going to be tempted to look back and say, gone are the good old days. But the truth is we should be forward thinking and looking forward. Why? Because the God of the good old days is still the God of the good future days. If we as his people will look forward to that. I told my wife this the other day. And I know this sounds difficult and harsh, but this is what the Lord put in my heart. I want you to hear me out. Our church is either going to be a memorial of those who have served here. Or it's going to be a testimony of the God that is still here. Folks, I know we all have pastors that we're close to and that who influenced our life. And thank God for the different men of God throughout the ages who won many of you to Christ and led many of you to this place. I'm thankful for that. But understand this this morning. Our church cannot be a memorial for what was done, but should be a testimony of what God still desires to do. But we as his people have got to be looking forward. Why? Because the same God is still on the throne. That's why we should be forward thinking. I think about Elisha when Elijah was taken to heaven. I'll be honest with you. If I was Elisha uh, and Elijah was taken to heaven, I'd be a little bit gloomy. I mean, imagine all the things that Elisha and Elijah did together, and you're thinking to yourself, well, he's gone now. I guess it's just going to be, you know, cruise control from here on out. 
You know, Elisha says, you know, I want a double portion of your spirit. I'm not Elijah, but I want a double portion of your spirit. And the God that did things through you, I want what he he did to do it through me as well. Because it was the same God. The mantle fell, and how humbling it must have been for Elisha to pick up that mantle. The mantle of Elijah. And yet he goes back over to Jordan, and what does he say? He says, where be the God of Elijah? You see, Elisha understood it was not the man, it was the God that did the job. And folks, understand this morning that we as the people of God should be looking forward to what God desires to do because God's gone nowhere. God moves people in and out, but I'm glad his power remains the same. So why should we find the faith, and how do we find the faith to look forward? Well, we be reminded of that God's not done. He says, look, I know I did something in the past, but I'm going to do something in the future. That leads us to number three. Notice verse 19. Behold. Do you know what behold means? <clears throat> if we could use our southern vernacular, we would say, look a here. Behold. I want you to see something, he's saying. I will do a new thing when? Now. I will do a new thing now. God says you can sit and you can gripe and you can grieve about the circumstances and the good old days that are gone, or you can look forward to the new thing that I'm about to do now. Number three, how do you find the faith to look forward? Well, notice God reminds them of what he is doing. Not only did he remind them of what he had done, Not only did he remind them he was not done, he reminds them of what he is doing. Notice the present tense of the verse, in verse 19, the word now. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you. The Bible says, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Notice what God is doing in Jeremiah 29. He's looking forward. Expected means prosperous. Expected means blessed and planned of God. But here's our problem. I'll give you this real quickly. The Bible says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Do you know what he's referring to? He's referring to a plant, a seed that has been planted and sown below the surface. Many of you planted gardens. Many of you are picking things. And many of you have brought things to our house from gardens you have. But you put that seed in the ground. You watered it, and the rains came, and you fertilized it, and you watched it, and you watched it, and you watched it. Finally, the ground began to crack, began to see something below the surface. Little did we know that that seed was germinating and opening up, and just in a moment, it springs forth above the surface. Even though we couldn't see it, God was working below the surface all along. And isn't that just like God? Right under our nose, God was working. But oftentimes, we would not have the faith enough to look forward to trust what he was doing. And oftentimes, that's our problem. We have a very shallow faith. We can't see very far below the surface. I want to show you a picture right quick that I think I've showed you before, but it's one that uh, I look at often. You know, I have it up there. Someone back in 2008 snapped a picture, and I was standing right here. I was holding my baby daughter, and my wife was standing right here. And Brother Miller was standing right here, and I'm not mistaken, there was a picture of Brother Williams over here on the wall uh, in the picture. I have the picture at my house. And someone, I think Brother TJ sent me that picture uh, when we were in Monroe preparing to move down here. And he says, who would have thought, who would have thought that there were three pictures of the pastors of Central Baptist, three men, there were three pictures of those men in one photograph 
I promise you in 2008, that thought never crossed my mind as I held my little girl and was talking with Brother Miller and Brother Williams' picture was on uh, in the background that was there. But you know, God had that planned all along. God was doing that all along. And even though I wasn't aware of what God was doing below the surface, God was still working. Can I tell you something this morning? Even though you can't see it, you could still have faith to look forward. Why? Because God's always working below the surface. You don't know what he's doing. Look, even times of calamity and catastrophe, listen, we should have the faith to look forward. Why? Because we serve a God that can work below the surface. And even though we can't see it, God's at work. God's putting things together. When Israel was in Egypt and languishing in Egypt, little did he know that that little ark that came down the river and Pharaoh's daughter plucked it out of the water, Israel didn't know but God was working right underneath their nose. It's wonderful to see in hindsight what God was doing. But if you have a shallow faith this morning, it's not going to get below the surface to see what God is doing. I must hurry this morning. Paul in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 says this, But I would ye understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. He's writing this in prison. And Paul says, I'm in a circumstance that's uncomfortable. Paul says, I don't like what I'm going through. I'm in prison, but listen to what he says. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. What is Paul saying? Paul says, I have a deep enough faith to understand that God is working below the surface in spite of our circumstances. I think it's amazing how old Pharaoh thought he was going to get one over on Israel. And the funny thing is, Pharaoh is being used of God. God was going to be glorified. What did he say? I will get me honor. I'm going to work through all of that. So this morning, how do we have faith and find the faith to look forward? Well, we be reminded of what God is doing. I'll give you this, and I'll give you the last point. A friend of mine was here last week, Robert Holly, his wife, uh, Lydia, and their three kids were here. I was supposed to be here, but I took a spontaneous vacation, so I wasn't here. And he called, and he says, where are you at? I said, I'm in Florida. He says, what are you doing in Florida? I said, I'm on vacation. They were here last week, and let me tell you how Brother Robert met his wife. Uh, he was in college at uh, OBC out in Oklahoma and was invited to go on a mission trip to Haiti. Didn't want to go to Haiti. You know, when you go on a mission trip, you want to go to a place where you can have some fun too, right? Let's be honest. That's why we go on the mission trips. Uh, we're going to do the God stuff, and then we're going to have fun after it's over. That's usually the case with most people. And he didn't want to go, but he just felt the Holy Spirit nudging him to go. So finally, he relents and decides to get on the plane and go to Haiti and gets down there and meets the missionary, and the missionary has one beautiful daughter who'd been waiting on a husband and praying for a husband. It just took a little while for God to get him there on that airplane, and now they've been happily married, I think, some 20-something years. Even though, boy, he he went scratching and clawing all the way to Haiti. He had no idea God was working below the surface. At that appointed time, it, what does the Bible say? I do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Aren't you glad Psalms 46, the Bible tells us that God is our refuge and strength, listen close, and a very present help. God's not gone anywhere. So when I don't see God working, look, just trust me, he's working below the surface. Why? He's a present help. We can find the faith to look forward because of what he is doing. And then finally, the last thing I want you to see is at the end of verse 19 again. He says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Notice where God says he's going to work. God says, I'll make a way in the wilderness. He says, in rivers in the desert. The last thing this morning that will help you find the faith to look forward is be reminded of what God can do. 
you know, the desert's not a place where you would expect to see a river flowing, is it? It's kind of unexpected. Finding a way in the wilderness, that's something that's unexpected. But God's telling his people, he says, listen, you should find the faith to look forward because of what I can do. God says, I can in spite of circumstance. God says, I can in spite of the fact that it's unlikely. Look, I told you, I don't like being around pessimists. And I know how doom and gloom everything looks right now. It looks like the trump of God's right around the corner. But I believe as long as the God is in heaven and God is still on the throne, that there's hope for this country if his people would, through obedience, return to God. Why? Because God says, I can work in spite of circumstance and the unlikely. Folks, this morning the message is simply this. We as the people of God should be a forward-looking people. Why? Well, because of what God's done. We look back and we can see what God's done. We should be a forward-looking people. Why? Because the fact that God's not done. God's not finished. Listen, I refuse to ride this thing out on cruise control. I refuse to just sit uh, on my laurels and wait for the trump of God to sound. If we are still here and we are still drawing breath, the Great Commission still applies to the church of the living God. Therefore, we're going to trust him to do what only he can do. Why? He's not done yet. Some of us are acting like that God's clocked out. He's not. We should be looking forward in faith because of what he's done, because of the fact that he's not done, and then because of the fact, listen close, of what he's doing. God's doing something. Let's not sit there and grieve over the good old days of the past. Listen, let's look forward to what God desires to do in the future. Why? Because of what God can do. We're living in a desert. God will make a way through the desert. Listen, we're in the wilderness. Listen, God can make a river in the wilderness. God can do that. And we ought to, with a smile on our face and a spring in our step, look forward to what God desires to do here. Why? Because he is the Lord. And I think we can find the faith to look forward. Not because of who he is or our circumstances are, or because of who we are, because of who he is, in spite of our circumstances this morning. So with our heads bowed and eyes closed, real quickly, we've got to hurry. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder this morning, have our circumstances stolen your smile? Has our circumstances caused you not to look forward anymore? Can I give you some encouragement? You can have faith this morning because of what God's done, because of the fact that God's not done. You can have faith to look forward because of what God is doing. And you can have faith to look forward because how God can do it in spite of all that's going on. So we as his people this morning, let me tell you the best way to glorify God, be a forward-looking Christian because God still desires to work in the midst of what we're going through. Father, I thank you this morning.